Hello again, sisters. We are finishing up the Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 in this third part of the series. We're going to be going over verses 9 through 11, looking at things like, what does it mean that Jesus emptied himself? Did Jesus cease to be God? And other very important doctrines of our faith. I am so excited to share this teaching with you. I pray it blesses you. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat, and I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years, and I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. So therefore, verse 9, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Christ humbled himself, and God the Father has exalted Christ back to his rightful position to be the Lord over all, to be the Lord over all. So as we we talk about um, you know, think about, we didn't really kind of go over it yet, but, you know, verse seven, where it says, but he made himself of no reputation or in the ESV, he emptied himself. That's literally what we call kenosis or him emptying himself so that God will then exalt him. But I want to talk about that kenosis real quick. So he's being found the appearance of man being humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even onto the cross. So there's the big debate. Well, what did he empty himself of? What did he empty himself of? There's a lot of false teaching around this that literally um, is heresy. And one of it is the kenosis theology, where people say that he emptied himself of being God. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. He 
did not empty himself of being God. He did not empty himself of his deity. He is still fully God. As he's walking on the earth, he was still fully God. He's still fully God today and fully man. What he did was, because it says here, he went on to be a bond servant. So he emptied himself positionally. He veiled his glory because if he wouldn't have veiled that glory, we wouldn't have been able to look upon him. He made himself a slave and he submitted his will to the father. So positionally, he did not cease to be God or give up any portion of his divine nature. This is vital, you guys. If you're paying attention to a lot of these teachers out there that are on television or um, really famous, I'm not going to name names, but you'll notice that they teach that Jesus was not God while he was on this earth. Then they'll go on to teach that he became Satan or became possessed by Satan or took on the nature of Satan at the cross. If you hear those kind of phrases, you are dealing with a false teacher. Jesus is God and God cannot be possessed by Satan. Jesus is God and cannot take on the nature of Satan. That would be being possessed. Jesus did not cease to be God while on the cross. He had to be fully God on the cross because he had to be the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sinless lamb in order to be slain for you and me. He also had to be fully man in order to represent humanity and to be the high priest. He was fully God and fully man. That never ceased when he emptied himself or humbled himself to come to this earth and put on the human tent. This is so important, you guys. He did not get tortured by demons in hell for three days. He said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, right now. It's not hard to, that is not hard to understand. Today means today. Today you'll be with who? Me, Christ, Jesus in, in heaven. He went into Hades, we believe, to grab the keys of, of hell to say, listen, I conquered it. You know, we can talk about that another time. We talk about that when I, and Peter, uh, you can go through my um, Peter's teachings on Peter. Um, we talk more about that, but he did not get tortured by demons. And that is not where your atonement is. Okay. He did not become born again after the resurrection. He did not need to become born again. He was not a sinner. He's not a sinner. We need to be born again. We need to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Being born again is to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit, to be sealed by the Holy Spirit, to be justified before the Father. And so it's really important that you have your theology here correct. Because there are so many false teachers that are teaching a different Jesus. Jesus is fully God. He always was God. He was God while he was here on earth. He is God. He was God on the cross. He was God when he resurrected. He is God now today, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is coming back as God. He is eternal and transcendent. He always was, always will be the eternal God. But he did empty himself positionally of his position in heaven to become lower he humbled himself to become a servant. He did not empty himself of his personhood. He, you, he can't empty himself of his personhood. He is who he is. He is God. 
where he emptied himself of his position temporarily. And now he's going, now he's, well, not now, now he's already there, but even when he tells the apostles, like, I'm going back to the father, he's going back to his rightful position. And they were so sad. And he's like, no, this is a good thing. And then I'm, and then we're going to send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to come. You know, it's going to be all good, all good. And so he does this to the death, on the death of the cross. This is so important and because it's important to understand this as we go to the next section here. Verse nine, therefore, God also has highly exalted him. Okay, so he humbled himself, emptied himself of that position. He veiled his glory, though his glory was revealed, remember, on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw his glory and they they could handle it. Yes. So it got unveiled for a second, but that's what was veiled, his glory. The true, his true glory was veiled. Um, and he did that in humility to become a bond slave bond servant for you and me and submitted his will to the father for you and me. Okay. So now here's God, the father who has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name. Now, some people think, well, that, that name is Jesus or that name is Joshua, which Joshua is just Joshua, which there was a lot of people named Joshua back then. And so, um, it's not necessarily the 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 name spelled out, you know, what the name is. It's what does the name represent? And that's what you said, what does the name represent? Lord, Lord of all the universe, Lord over the entire universe where every knee will bow. That's what the father's talking about. That's what he exalted him to, to the highest status of being the Lord of Lords and the king of kings, the supreme being over all the universe, and every tongue will confess it. It doesn't mean every tongue is going to be saved. It doesn't mean every knee that bows is going to be saved. But every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And every knee will bow and in, in come into agreement that Jesus Christ, Christ is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the God, eternal, transcendent Savior, Messiah, anointed one, creator of everything. I willingly bow right now and say, I already confess that. I confess that you are Lord. I confess that you are God of the universe, that you are the creator. You are my Messiah. You are my Savior. And I, and I am submitted to your Lordship right now. That needs to be the heart of every believer. Is he just your savior or is he your Lord? Because Lord means master and master means we're submitted as bond servants of Jesus Christ. That we think of others greater than ourselves, that we think of his will to be done and not our own will. We're willing to lay aside our desires and our will and submit it to him just as he submitted to the father. This is what Paul is reminding them of here, guys, that, that this disunity that, that, that potentially wreck what Paul had established here, what God's trying to do here, because of two people who are unwilling to submit to God and submit to one another, it could break down the very fabric of this local ministry. And so here's God 
He's good. He says he highly exalted him and given the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on the earth, and even those beneath the earth. And the beneath the earth are what we believe are the demons and Satan and the unholy angels or demons or whatever they are, disembodied spirits, right? Um, and so he's saying there is not going to be any, anything that's not going to bow a knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. It's going to touch all of creation. And that's what God says. He says, you know, he exalts the humble, but he takes down the proud. And that's what these women were being. When you've got conflict, when you have, when you're in disagreements with one another, when you are not unified with one another, that there's pride. Somebody's got pride. Somebody's taking their eyes off Jesus and put it back and put it on themselves and what and they their wants and their interests and their what what they want. We've taken our eyes off of Christ and put them on ourselves. And we need to get our eyes back off ourselves and back on Christ. Because imitate me, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says, we ought to be imitators of Christ. It says, be holy for he is holy. We are to be obedient children. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of God. So we need to reflect God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. We need to reflect that family that we've been adopted into. Reflect that name above all names. And when we're in disunity, we're not reflecting Christ. And we're not reflecting the beautiful unity of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit work perfectly united together in perfect love and perfect unity to get done what they have determined to get done. And one of those things is salvation. Father has a part to play in the salvation. The son has a part to play in our salvation. The Holy Spirit has a part to play in the salvation. And if you want to learn more about that, go listen to Romans chapter eight teachings on YouTube. Oh, powerful, beautiful to see how the father and the son and the Holy Spirit all work together, each having their own part in our salvation, but they do it perfectly in unity. And that is what I expect of. We are a reflection. We are an extension of the triune God. Christ is the head and we are his body. And so we are expected, as Paul is saying here, to work together in unity. To lay down our own interests and own desires, our own will, and submit to one another. He even says that in 1 Peter, submit to your elders and submit to one another. God has put people in place to do different jobs, different, we have different positions, different places, different giftings, and we should all be working together to get the will of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit's plan done. We're a body. And he says, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory God the Father. This is what brings God the Father glory, you guys. Not just confessing that Jesus is Lord, not just saying that I'm a Christian, not just saying, oh yeah, he's Lord, he's God, I believe that, I believe Jesus is God, oh yeah. And I go and live the way I want to live. I go and serve the way I want to serve. I'm not really connected to a local body, a local community. I'm not 
you know, working in unity with a group of people, no matter how small, no matter how big, I'm not working together with this group of people where I'm submitted to the elders that God has put in place and I'm submitted to each other and we're submitted to each other. And we are loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength together. We are loving each other as we're to love our neighbors. And then we're going out and loving the lost and loving the world. This isn't Burger King. We can't just have it our way. Christianity is not Burger King. That's, that is the society that we live in though. I want everything done my way. I want it done through a microwave because I want it quickly. I want it done. Um, I expect it done and I deserve it. And we become consumers. We're consumerism. We're all about what we want, how fast we can get it. When we want it done our way, we want it to look our way and be our way. And if you won't give it to me, then I'll just go over here and I'll get it over here. If Walmart doesn't have what I want, I'll just go to Target. And if Target doesn't have what I want, I'll go to Kohl's. And if Kohl's doesn't have what I want, I'll go online. I'll go to Amazon now. I mean, my gosh, I can get anything delivered within 24 to 48 hours from Amazon. I can get it fast. I can get it how I want it. And I want customer service. If it doesn't exactly how I like it or have it done, I'm taking it back. And I expect customer service and a refund and $6,000 for my inconvenience. That is our mindset. And we have taken that mindset into the church and it's created a poor witness. And we're displeasing the father. We're not pleasing father. We're not bringing glory to the father. We're not bringing glory to the, to God who saved us. We can't be, I don't care how much we justify it in our head or talk about it or say that we are or go off and do our own thing well yeah but i'm i'm working over here in in a food pantry now i'm over here working in here so that's listen you can do it your way all day long but if that's not god's way of doing it then you're in disobedience and rebellion we are be, we are to be connected to a local body of believers unified as one family one community submitted to the elders and submitted to one another learning the apostles teachings together which is the word of god commute taking communion together which is the remembrance of what christ has done for us through the taking of the of the bread and the wine or grape juice we are to be going house to house know each other learn about each other we are to rejoice with one another when we are rejoicing. We're to mourn with one another when we're mourning. We are to be a family. And when then we're to be out there going out into the community and sharing this glorious gospel, this glorious good news that has been given to us, we are supposed to be handing it to others. We're supposed to be worshiping him, using our gifts for one another. We're to be giving of our time and our talent and our treasure to get the work done. And we don't get to decide, like, you know, God shows us, God has, shows us where to put our time, talent, and treasure. We put it in the local body first to get the work of the gospel done. Then from there, we put it out into the lost. This body understood that. The Philippian church, though a poor persecuted church, was giving money and supplies and aid to Paul, who was in Rome in prison. They were taking and making sure that no one had a need, including their brother, Paul, who established the church in prison in Rome, though they were in Philippi. And that's why Paul commended them so much in chapter one. He loved this church. He saw their love. But now he has to address that there's a problem. And it terrifies him to think that this church could be completely dismantled because a couple people cannot submit to one another and cannot submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so he is reminding them that whatever problem you have, whatever, whatever thing this is, look at what God did. Look what Jesus did. Are you greater than Jesus? Humble yourself. Think of others greater than yourself. Sacrifice. Lay your lives down for each other. Let this other stuff go so that you can be focused on the end game. Jesus was focused on the end game, and that was reconciling souls to the Father. Giving a way where there was no way for the nations to be saved. Shedding his own blood as the ransom paid for your sin and my sin debt. So that he could have a bride unto himself, a family in which he was the head and we are bride, that, that body. Are we disappointing him? I'm sure Paul was disappointed to hear that there was this disunity going on. And we'll talk about that again when we get up, up to chapter um, four. But let us, as we're going to go into next week, let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let us get our eyes focused back on Christ, the finished work of the cross, and the purpose for our salvation. And what it means to be the church. What it means to be the body and Christ the head. And what it means to be brothers and sisters, family and community. We need to be praying. So Lord, I just lift up the body of believers that will be listening to this particular message, Father. And I pray that as your word does pierce through us like a sword and it pierces through that bone and that marrow, it pierces through the pride, it pierces through the disunity, it pierces through the sin. It also brings healing and, and exhortation and edifies us and builds us up and corrects us. It does all the things. We thank you for this glorious word that you've left us with and Help us to uh, continue to just learn it and 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 rightly divide it and and consume it, eat it like a scroll. But let us not just be hearers of the word, Lord. Let us be doers of the word. Let us see where there's been disunity. Let us repent of our part in any type of disunity that has happened in the body. And let us work and strive for unity as you have told us to do that. We're to strive for it and help us to get back on track, Lord, if we've gotten off track. And Father, if there is anyone listening to this that doesn't have a home church, that's not connected to a body of believers, that's not building the church together in a consistent, submissive manner, help them to find a true body of believers that puts the Bible and the word of God as preeminent Christ as the head, and it's all about him. I pray that they find a Bible teaching church or community of believers that are sold out to the gospel of Jesus Christ and that make the word of God first and foremost by the spirit of God and that they love one another and they strive for unity and they, they worship together and they pray together and they play together too. And they just, this family and that they also are out there reaching the community of the lost and loving the lost and loving the least of these. 
Help each and every one of them find that place, Lord, wherever they may be. And deal with all of us, Father, because we all fall short of the glory. We all fall short. We've all operated in disunity. We've all operated in division. We've all um, not thought of others greater than ourselves. We've all been selfish and prideful and wanted it our way. We've all gone to the place of Burger King. And forgive us, Lord. We pray that you bring things back together that are meant to be together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Feel free to contact me um, at www.bethechurchministry.com. God bless you. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.